Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. So, when somebody bumps you and they do it a little bit rudely, what do you normally do? What do you normally do? Somebody does that to you. If you're a Christian, this is what you do. Okay? Excuse me, my personal space. Watch where you're going. Have you done that? Is that the Christian reaction? Yeah. That's the Christian reaction when the Christian is real. This is the Christian response. If I ask you the question in church, how do you do it? Oh, no, 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 I understand. That's fine. But we know, unfortunately, we don't live in church. We also have to go to shopping centers. We have to go to school. We have to live our lives out there. And often, when somebody offends us, we take exception and there's an immediate reaction. Sometimes that can be pretty volatile. I was parked in a woman's space in Cape Town on one of our holidays. So she parked there and I parked there and I thought, well, there's enough space over there. And I saw there's a cross in her window. So when she came out, my car was a bit longer than hers. She couldn't see behind me. I I wasn't parked illegally, but she winded her window down. My window was up, so I was like, and I thought, Lady, ek is a pastoor. Do you want me to phone your pastor and tell her or him that you have parking lot rage? I'm not doing anything illegal. It's just my car's longer than yours. And now you couldn't see into the street. Now you. You see, that is what we are like. We tend to get angry quite quickly, too quickly many times. And a lot of the time, the anger stems from something that we feel has been done to us. So when we deal with anger today, what we're going to be looking at is anger that is rooted in pain. Pain Pain-based anger, painful anger, call it what you like. Now, anger is a primary emotion. It's one of the main emotions that we can experience as a human being. The other big nice ones are love, joy, peace, fruits of the spirit. But then there's other normal ones that we are subject to. That is sadness, depression, everything like that. Being unhappy, fear, and of course, anger. There are a couple of other big ones as well. But those are the main ones. And many of the emotions that we feel are somehow just a branch of those. You know, being angry and getting angry is part of being a human being. So the psalmist said in Psalm 4, verse 4, it says, go back to the previous slide, please. In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. It says that in your anger, do not sin. When you get angry, just don't go to the point of becoming so angry that you do things and say things that later you will regret. But anger is there. You cannot not be angry anymore that you can change the fact that you are a human being. It's part and parcel of who we are. 
It's not unspiritual to be angry. In actual fact, it's not even unscriptural. The Bible acknowledges that. So please don't feel that you're ever going to get to the point in your life where you won't get angry. You're going to get angry. What we do with that is another thing. So let's look at if those are the emotions, the main emotions we can experience. We're looking at the one today being anger. What can be the different causes of anger before we go to pain as a root? Well, one of the causes of anger is pride. When we're offended, when we feel you're not respecting me. Really what is standing up there is our ego, our inflated sense of self-importance. That's pride. Another cause or root of anger is fear. So, for example, when you back an animal into a corner, suddenly an animal turns to be aggressive. Now, the same is true of us. You can go stand in a person's face and eventually they will start, their blood will boil and then they'll react. So, it can be fear. Poor conflict resolution skills. So, if you've grown up and you don't control your temper, you don't think before you speak, you don't consider the consequence of your actions, that's all you've seen modeled before your parents or the, your neighborhood, that becomes what you're going to be living like. That's how you're going to respond. So many times in prisons, they will take prisoners through anger management therapy just to show them that there is a different way to deal with your anger. You don't have to stab everyone. You have to shoot everyone that's angry. You can actually just forgive them. Another root is just plain sinful wickedness. There's no cause. People are just nasty. And as a result, they take out that nastiness, the expression, just like some people are dishonest. And eventually that dishonesty will take effect on them stealing from somebody. Some people are just nasty in themselves, violent by nature, and they take that, they express that anger um, on other people. Then, of course, we have pain. Pain's the one we're going to look at today. Pain is one of the reasons people get angry. It's an anger driver. And of course, we know that there is hunger. Normally, hits you between the ages of 10 and 20. This is when you, this type of anger is acute in your life. Be denied food, and it feels like you're dying. And then you will lash out. Okay, you get angry. But obviously that is not too serious. That's just kind of by the way. But we all have experienced that. So, pain as a root of anger. What we need to ask ourselves is what I'm going through right now, the hurt that I'm feeling, is it actual pain? Has somebody done something to me? Or do I feel Offended. I've just taken offense. The person didn't mean to offend me. They're not even aware of the offense that they've caused me. But for me, I interpret this person is out to get me or to do me a harm. And you will find that the pain that we experience will come either from an incident that is real, a real thing that happened, or we just made it up. I mean, literally, we made it up because we took things the wrong way. Now, we can't really control what is going to happen to us and how people are going to behave towards us. 
That's going to cause a measure of anger. But if we continuously misinterpret what is happening, there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of anger in our life that doesn't need to be there because we are just taking it up the wrong way. So Eckhart Tolle says, where there is anger, there is always pain underneath. You know, anger is often a secondary emotion. A secondary emotion. So what's the first thing? The first thing is pain or hurt. Sadness. So what happens is, you and I, we see the anger, we feel the anger, and we feel the most, the thing that we're actually going through now, the thing that we need to deal with in our life is anger. Because it's just such an in-your-face emotion. Whereas pain and hurt can be buried. We don't want to go there. We don't want to admit it. But actually, that is where all of this bad energy is coming from. It's from there. And we can, we can go and deal with anger as long as we want to. But if we don't go to the roots of why I'm angry, we will find that it's an exercise in futility. So, Pastor Stanley <clears throat> talks about an incident that he discovered in his church. He says, I once knew a man who dreamed of becoming a medical doctor. So while he was growing up, he wanted to be a medical doctor. He studied hard all through high school, made sure that he qualified to go to university and that. When the time came for him to go to university, his dad said, no, I need you to help me here on the farm. And of course, he didn't seem to have much of a choice, so he stayed on. But all through working on the farm, he built up resentment because he was saying to himself, you know, I could have been my third year. Now the chance he presumed, the chance of ever becoming a medical doctor had passed him by. And there he became angrier and angrier. Eventually at the age of 23, he said, I've had enough, I'm leaving. And he left home and he left in a huff and in a puff. As the years passed, this man found it difficult to allow people to come close to him. Because of what he has experienced with one person, he felt he was going to experience that with all people. So it was difficult to get close to him. One woman caught his eye, caught his eye, caught his heart, and they got married. And everything went well for a while until one day he just exploded. And his wife was shocked. She said, I've never seen this level of anger and rage in your life. And from the moment that he let it go once, he let it go twice. And it wasn't too long before he did this quite often. The effect on their relationships was that people started to make excuses to not go to their house. They would receive, receive invitations but wouldn't honor them because they just felt that whenever they went to this person's house, he was always negative. You could always say something and he would, it was just unpleasant to be around. Pastor Stanley says he would like to be able to report that the story ended well. The man simmered down and he went and was reconciled to his father. But he never did. He never got on top of his anger. His father passed away before he did. He became old, senile, but he was still an angry person. He died a bitter person. 
Now, we don't know the reasons why this man's father wouldn't let him leave. Perhaps the father was challenged or intimidated by this man's intellect and feeling that his son was going to achieve more than he was going to. Perhaps his father was controlling and just needed him on the farm and just said, that's it. I'm the dad. We don't really know. What we do know is that the person who suffered most in this story was not the father. The person that suffered the most in the story was the son. Because of the simple fact that he could not forgive his father and move on with life, he became the real reason that he never went to medical school and realized his dreams. And so that is the effect that anger can have on any individual's life if we are not careful to rein that anger in, deal with the pain that we have experienced and move on. You see, pain has a way of not going away. It just transforms itself into anger. It becomes something else. Something that we can't tell where this thing has come from. But if you go into your past, you may find that some of the anger that you harbor is tied to an incident that you had. We have this perception, time heals all wounds. So just like if you put a bath of water out on a hot day, eventually, slowly, it will evaporate. We feel, well, I don't need to deal with my pain, but if I just leave it and I ignore it, it'll go away on its own, it'll evaporate. The strange thing is it doesn't evaporate, it has a way of simmering, developing a life and an energy of its own. Somebody said that when you and I deal with pain, and we try and sweep it under the carpet, as it were. It's like banishing it to a basement. You know, in the American houses, many of them have basements, cellars. That is like a big room downstairs. He said, when you don't deal with pain, it's like you're taking the pain and you're making it go down to a, a cellar, a basement, and you pretend it's not part of your life. But you know what the pain is doing? The pain's doing push-ups and squats and dumbbell kills. That pain is just strengthening itself. It's building itself up. One day, it's going to be so big and so strong, it's going to burst that cellar door open and explode into your life again. And you're like, what just happened? And that's what happens in our lives. We can suppress anger and pain for a certain time, and then something happens, and we explode. And that explosion seems out of sorts with the incident that triggered it off. But really the root of it is the pain that we weren't dealing with. So we sometimes have an event that happens in our lives and then there's a reaction to that event. Now that reaction is either going to help us process that event or it's going to cause another problem of its own. So let's say somebody offends you. You may find that on the one hand you can brush it off, you forgive them, you understand, they apologize. There's no real excuse, but you accept the apology and you move on. Something else can happen in your life and it is so painful, it breaks you, it breaks your spirit. Some people get depressed. Some people's sense of identity is crushed and they don't recover, they don't heal. And then there are other people that get angry about it and that anger starts to become something that drives them.
So you and I need to understand that on a regular basis, any of the things that we experience, especially the, especially the bigger things that we'll mention in a moment, if we're not careful to keep a lid on them, keep them out of our lives, they could be the type of thing that fuels anger. Then the second incident, the third incident, and eventually we find ourselves burning with anger. In his book, Mad About Us, Moving from Anger to Intimacy with Your Spouse, Dr. Gary Oliver says, Over the years, we've discovered discovered that whenever we ignore or bury an emotion, it's buried alive. It's not killed. It's still there. So we need to be careful that we don't just pretend this thing is gone just because I put it under the carpet or I try to put it out of my memory. Another thing that we will find, another dynamic of anger or pain. Pain can lead to anger and anger can lead to depression. Because anger is a very volatile emotion. It requires a lot of energy. When you have a bout of anger, you may feel drained. Now that state of being drained may leave you in a state of depression. Because you literally have burned out. And you can't quite recover that energy. You stay in that depressed state. So now, there was the painful incident. Developed a response of anger, anger started to introduce a bout of depression, all of which could have to a certain extent have been avoided if we would follow the advice in God's word. So what are different ways in which pain-based anger is expressed? How do we know if what we are doing, if the anger that we're feeling is somehow related to pain? Well, it's not always easy to tell. Because some anger that we have is delayed and detached. What I mean, it's removed from the incident that happened in our lives. So years ago, something may have happened. But five, six, seven years later, we think about it. And the more we think about it, the more we become angry. Or you may not think about it. You just know that you're feeling angry. And you can't quite put your finger on, why am I angry? But sometimes the Lord needs to reveal to us that you're not an angry person by nature, but you are like a wounded animal. You're aggressive because you're trying to protect yourself. And one of the ways is just fighting back, lashing out, as it were. So that you may find that you have to go back to your past and sometimes it's painful to face that thing. Find the root, destroy the root, and then move on as you forgive the person. Some of the anger can be displaced the anger that you're facing. You may go to work and the boss gives you a hard time. The person on the team that is responsible for doing something with you doesn't bring their part and everybody suffers for it. And then when you get home, the wife, the cat, the dog, the children, the, everybody better run and hide because you're a fuming mess as you walk through that door. You bang the door. You criticize everything that is happening. And everybody in the house is like, what? What is up with you? Where is this coming from? What did we do? And you're like, you brought it home with you. Couldn't leave it there. Not resolving it. So other people are made to suffer 
for our behavior. And there's a lot of that that goes on in society. You think of things like road rage and small things like that. Where is that coming from? Just because a person cuts in front of you? Does that mean that you have to slam on brakes, almost cause an accident, cause a fight? Maybe the person was avoiding something or they didn't see you. I tried to pass a guy one day. So there was a left lane to pass and it only verged in a little bit later. And he was in the right lane and he perceived, I'm going to cut him off. You know what he did? He started to honk his hooter, wave at me and said, dude, what is this all about? This is a lane, the intersection's only over there, I have every right. But he was adamant that he was not going to let me get ahead of him. So where did that come from? He doesn't know me. The incident is unjustified. But how many people are we taking our anger out on? Where there's no real justification. And people are wondering, where is all this stuff coming from? There are many other causes of anger, expressions of anger that is root on, rooted in pain. But I think we get the idea. Maybe one more thing, and that is what you could term cowardly anger. Cowardly anger. So this is somebody taking out their anger on somebody that is weaker than them. Because somebody stronger than them hurt them. But of course, to go and get that person back means that they could get a, quite a beating. So it's easier just to take it out on somebody else. And that's often what happens with bullies. You ever notice a bully doesn't try to bully somebody of equal strength to them? They're going to at least come off as bad as the other person. They're going to get as much as they give. So they're going to take... They're going to try and take that out on somebody who's smaller than them, weaker than them. It's a cowardly form of anger. But often that bully is frustrated because they themselves have been hurt and they don't know how to express it and they do it in that way. Specific pains. What are the types of pains that you and I could experience that if we're not careful can result in this type of pain-based anger? The one is going to have to do with relationships. You know, relationships have a powerful impact upon our lives. They can make you feel as good as you will ever feel about yourself when you're in love with somebody. When somebody congratulates you and says, well done, you can feel, yes, I feel much better now that that person said it than the fact that I accomplished it. People can do that to us. But unfortunately, the influence of people in our lives can also be negative. They can, as much as good as they can introduce into our lives, they can introduce some pretty rotten emotions. And one of the things that people can do in our relationships with them is cause us pain. We feel it when somebody breaks up with us. We feel it when somebody close to us betrays us. So growing up, one of the big things that most people have to deal with is a sense of rejection. When you feel, for example, that your parents don't love you, or they love somebody else more, or your father or your mother abandoned you at an early age, sent you to an aunt or a granny to live with, because they wanted to work in the city, or they wanted to carry on with their life, they had you at an early age, you have a sense of rejection. My granny was too old, I couldn't speak to her about certain things. 
My mother didn't have to go into the city. Where is my father? Why won't he make contact with me? All of these type of things cause us a lot of pain. We feel what is wrong with us. And we become angry as we think about it. Abandonment when we left alone, rejected is what we feel. When people divorce us, they've got into a contract with us, a covenant, they promise to be with us, behave a certain way for the whole of their lives. And then there's divorce. And we feel what I've poured so much in. And if you told me that this is where we'd be heading, I would have never entered. But now my life is past. Not fair. Betrayal. Or we get into relationships with the wrong people and expose ourselves to hurt. You get warned about a certain person. They're wrong for you. But you're determined to build a relationship with them anyway. That you're going to fix them. You're going to rescue them. And all they do is they cause you hurt, hurt, hurt. And you wonder why, years later, that there's another wound. But that wound is a wound that could have been avoided. That's in the relationships. Then if we look at life, violence, and injustice can cause us pain. You can be sexually abused, raped, verbally abused, physically beaten up. You can grow up in a home where there's an alcoholic parent or drug addict and you may find that a lot of what goes in that home goes on in that home is your father has fits of rage when he's drunk beats your mom starts to beat you when there's crime and you and I can be a victim of a crime violence is perpetrated against us or injustice we can get angry because we feel there's been some type of discrimination or injustice. We've been oppressed, taken advantage of. You go to the police, the police lose the docket. The police take a bribe. And you just feel, man, these are the very people supposed to be protecting us. And you get angry. And then you lose respect for all law enforcement in total. Life is not fair. I studied hard. I was determined to get a degree. I studied hard, got the degree, and now I can't get a job. Life is not fair. So all of that can leave us with a sense that we've been victimized. Then another source of anger is this is really caused by ourselves, and that is perception. We think people have treated us wrong. We think more is due to us, and they're not giving it to us. A victim mentality. It's the stories you write about events in your life that really are not true. But you want to validate your anger. You want to justify your behavior. So you're going to argue until you're blue in the face that it's that person's fault. That that person was as nasty as you think they are when the person actually was just innocent. A lot of this is directed towards God. You know, God bears the brunt of a lot of our perceived pain. God, you caused me to lose your job, my job. You caused me to suffer financially. Why don't you just answer my prayers? Why don't you just give me a job? You know that I have people depending on me. God, why was my loved one taken out of my life at such an early age? It wasn't fair. Other people still have their fathers. Other people still have their mothers. You could have prevented my mother or my father's death. 
and we direct all of our anger towards God. <clears throat> but the way we phrase it, a mother could have passed, a father could have passed, but you know that the way we phrase it is, why did God do this to me? They died, but God did it to me. That's the kind of the end result of that. And it really is just perception. What is another big way in which, what is another type of pain that you could suffer that could give rise to anger? Do you know what it is? It's whatever you want it to be. It really is whatever you want it to be. If you want a reason to be angry and to base your anger on some type of pain or injustice or harm done to you, just go and make it up because that's what people are doing all the time. Those people are all like this, so I'm justified in doing this to them. How much violence accompanies theft and robbery? And I can guarantee you that many of those robbers and those violent people feel justified in first beating up the victim and then taking their possessions because they feel that this person somehow is more entitled to them. And has got an unfair advantage in life. And so they are justified in beating them up. We have all of these ways that we can excuse the things that we do in life. And we need to be careful because God is a transparent judge. He, everything is clear to God. If you and I are not careful, pain and anger can change us into people we don't want to be. We didn't see ourselves becoming. You know, if you'd asked an angry person 10 or 15 years ago growing up, were you this cynical? Were you this bitter? And they would say, I don't even recognize myself in the mirror. When I was a teenager, I was full of life. I was full of enthusiasm. I was a fun person. But now that thing happened. I didn't see it coming couldn't recover and then that thing then that thing and now listen I just don't want to be around people anymore you can't recognize yourself it's because that pain wasn't processed properly you can become destructive to yourself you know Rolf Waldo Emerson said for every minute you're angry you lose you lose 60 seconds of happiness for every minute that you're angry you lose 60 seconds of happiness in your life you can go into a state of violence and rage and you can harm the relationships that you have that could have been preserved. So we see in Genesis 27, 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. How many only had one brother and he was going to kill him? How many brothers is left? If you do the maths, nobody... So you're going to kill the guy and you figure that's the way you're going to get the blessing. The blessing's already gone. He was willing to go that far to cut off his family members. His father would die, his mother would die, then his brother's dead. Then who's left? Only Esau. And he was willing to do that. So, so many times, this is saying goes, we cut off our nose to spite our face. We say, I will show you and we're the ones that get injured by this. You and I can get stuck in the past. You can't quite move on. Your dreams die. Your ability to dream your, dies because all that you're doing is, why did that happen? 
that person abused me. And I speak sometimes to people who've been abused. And that abuse happened 20 years ago. And I say to the person, you're not being abused. The abuse is finished. It's come to an end. And they will say things like, why did it happen to me? What is wrong with me? That perpetrator is dead. They've, they've moved on, they've got married, but they stuck. And the only place that they stuck is in their head and in their heart. They've written off 20 years of their life and who knows what else they wrote off. So how should we deal with pain-based anger? Well, we need to follow Jesus' example, of course. You know, Jesus was hurt by people in many ways. In actual fact, if we go through the list of different ways that a human being could be hurt when they're on earth, Jesus would almost be able to tick every single box. You and I may tick one or two or three or four or five boxes. If there were 50, Jesus could tick them all. He was rejected. For even a time, his own family, his brothers and sisters, wanted nothing to do with him. His mother was like in two minds as to what her opinion of her son is in the beginning. He was physically abused. He was shamed. He was humiliated, mocked in public. He was betrayed by the people he trusted, his closest friends, made undying promises of, or promises of undying loyalty. And then they deserted him right when he needed them the most. The religious leaders at his trial trumped up charges, found some scoundrels to lie about him. Talk about injustice. In actual fact, after having gone through the whole process, every court that he attended declared him innocent, yet he was still killed. And they didn't just crucify him. They said, no, we're first going to beat you with whips. Then we're going to hand you over to the soldiers to do whatever they want to. You know, even if Jesus was found guilty, the only thing that that particular crime demanded was just the crucifixion. He should have gone straight from Pilate straight to the cross, but he was first taken and beaten. Talk about adding, rubbing salt in the wounds. But when he got to the cross, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't vengeful. He didn't point fingers. He didn't call down the Father to judge. He said, Father, forgive them. So 1 Peter 2.21 says, To this you were called, to that same response, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So the Bible says, all that God wants from you and I is to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And Jesus wouldn't ask you anything that he was not willing to live according to himself. But you know, the Bible says Jesus did become angry. And there's the strange thing. You read about it in Mark 3 verse 5. He looked around at them in anger. This is Jesus. He looked at around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And then he healed them. You know, the, the only time Jesus ever is on record as getting angry is when other people were hurt. When other people were taken advantage of, when other people were oppressed. But Jesus never ever got angry about what was done to him. But he was concerned that other people not be oppressed. 
So we need to firstly follow Jesus' example, and that needs to be the foundation of our responses. Then the second thing we can do is acknowledge our pain and ask God to heal us. Now, as much as we know it happened, you know, sometimes we don't want to admit that we were hurt because we feel sometimes, I don't want to admit that that person has the power to hurt me. Because it makes us feel weak. It makes us feel that they have some control over our lives. Now, whether we believe it or not, the fact is that pain is going to be there. We can pretend they don't, didn't hurt us, but the anger is evidence that they did. So Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now isn't that interesting? One of the ministries of Jesus is to bind up our broken hearts. And set the captives free. Because pain and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness is like imprisoning ourselves. And if we don't deal with the pain and forgive the perpetrator, then the only person that is going to live in that jail is ourselves. The perpetrator is running free. Do you understand? So to free ourselves, we need to deal with our pain. Get rid of the anger by forgiving the other person. Get rid of the anger by developing forgiveness for the other person. Look at Ephesians 4.30. It says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. So what does the Bible say about anger and bitterness? What do we do with it? It literally says get rid of it. Whose responsibility is to get rid of it? The perpetrator? Must they come and deal with the anger that we've developed? No, we are. So the Bible says it's your responsibility to forgive and get rid of that anger. It's not God's. He'll certainly help get rid of the pain. But the choice to become angry was our choice. As much as we've embraced it, we've got to get rid of it out of our lives. You know, somebody said, <clears throat> revenge is like biting a dog because the dog bit you. Would you ever do that? <laughs> not at all. And yet we go around doing that to people. All that revenge does, revenge is just fuel for anger. Thoughts of revenge are fuel for anger. And here we think we are bringing about peace and justice. And all we're doing is we're making that fire bigger and more destructive. Like Esau did to his own life. You know what Esau ended up being characterized as in the Bible? As a godless man. An ungodly man. Now he started out in the same home that Jacob. But he didn't end up being a believer. He ended up being called an ungodly man. And where did it start? It started the day that he went in for his blessing and found that it had been, he'd been cheated. On that day, it can be traced back to an incident. When it comes to perceived offenses, how do we deal with that? Especially ones against God. We need to repent of pride and acknowledge our ignorance. So Psalm 73, 21 says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So what is the psalmist saying there? He says, if you read the whole psalm, he said, life is unfair. Wicked people are getting ahead. I'm trying to be a good guy and God doesn't show me any favor. 
But why is it that the wicked people seem to be advanced? God's helping them. Life is not fair. And he just went and huffed and puffed himself. And then he said, he came to his senses a little bit later and he says, Father, forgive me. When I was in that state, I was like a brute beast. I couldn't even think. I was like an animal. But now I've calmed down. I've come to my senses and I realized it's actually not you that's unfair. Life is not even unfair. Those people don't live in your presence. They're not going to heaven. Why should I think that you've given them more than you've given me? God is not treating other people better than he's treating you. He isn't giving them things and withholding them from you. God is not demanding that you earn a blessing, but he's giving it to other people for free. God treats everyone the same. But thoughts of anger and revenge and accusations against God is going to steal your faith. You'll stop praying to God for certain things because you're still so angry about the last thing. And then you're going to find that a lot is denied in your life. And God did hold it back. And the reason God held it back is because you simply stopped praying and involving God in your affairs. So you and I need to get to grips with really what is going on. Seeing people who've lost a loved one and it's destroyed their faith. And that loved one was a believer and that loved one has gone to heaven and they'll be reunited. But just the fact that God didn't give them notice or they presume God shouldn't have taken that person, they're just angry at God and on the verge of surrendering their faith. <clears throat> I don't know if you know that the Russians know martial arts. You think the Chinese and the Japanese are the only ones? No. The Russians know martial arts. In actual fact, they've developed a whole system of martial arts. And guess what they've called it? Systema. Now that's about as plain as anything could be. Systema. Do you know where it started? It started in the Russian Orthodox Church. What? So there's a church in Russia. The denomination started martial arts. Yes. And one of the reasons they started it, they realized that their country was often being attacked by forces greater than them. They needed to develop some system of protecting themselves. And of course, this is filtered down into martial, just a form of martial arts. But there's something about this martial arts. You can see it in one setting where this guy was dis displaying it. And he was sketching a real life situation where an attacker came with him and with a, at him with a knife. It wasn't long, it disarmed the person when you watch these videos. It's like, within a second or two, it really seems to work. <clears throat> then he grapples the attacker, he's got the knife, and he says, get up. Why did you attack me? Are you hungry? If you're hungry, let me buy you something to eat. Come, let's go and have a meal together. The purpose of Sistema is not to destroy your opponent. It's simply to protect yourself. Then another one of the roots, the philosophies of Sistema, is to develop self-understanding. So one of the things that you do, I'm not talking as an expert, I'm talking on behalf, all right? 
One of the things that they do in the early stages of their training is they just slap you. You must stand there and they must slap you. In actual fact, they will punch you and you must just stand there. Because what is our natural reaction when somebody slaps us in the face? <laughs> is to get angry. And they're trying to teach people, stop being controlled by the offenses that you experience in life. Learn to take a slap and not snap into anger. Learn to control yourself. One of the roots, root philosophies um, of Sistema is expressed in their alternative name. Another name for Sistema, and I hope I'm not going to destroy the Russian language, is Poznai Sebia. Poznai Sebia. It means know yourself. So the purpose of the whole martial arts is that you will develop an understanding of yourself. Why you get angry. And I came across this whole idea of Sistema when I was reading about how to manage anger. And somebody said that if you want young men to learn how to manage their anger, go and take them for these classes. Because it will teach them that the response to pain is not violence. You should discover yourself as you discover your responses. At the end of the day, St. Ambrose of Milan said, nobody heals himself by wounding another person. The only thing that you and I are responsible for when pain happens is to deal with that pain. If we don't deal with that pain, we start to become angry people. And then we become people who in society harm other people, who to a certain extent had nothing to do with the pain that we experience. We become destructive forces in society in response to something that happened to us years ago. Amen. So if I was to ask you right now, what hurt have you faced in life? You wouldn't answer me because you may be embarrassed. But you know, every one of us has specific incidents that hurt us far more than others. Things that we are still working through. You may have experienced six different really tough things in life. And there's two that you just keep coming back to. So we've got to go to the root there and say, God, release us from the hurt. It was painful. And I can't, through a system of psychology or certain behavior, heal myself. I need you to come there, heal it. And then you and I must choose to make that healing real. We need to choose to forgive that person and walk away. And then just the justice of God decide what happens. But we don't want to be a victim of our own anger anymore. Amen. So can I ask you to stand? <clears throat> if there's something that you've been challenged with, can I ask you to go there? You may have been there and it's a place that you already know. You go back there and ask God to heal the pain. Make a choice to forgive the person because you're wanting to do it to please God. You're wanting to follow in Jesus' footsteps. He had hardly been crucified 
that before he died, he already pronounced the forgiveness. As let us be quick in our <clears throat> responses to forgive others as well. Then let's go to God and say, God, my anger is no longer justified. I give up the right to feel justified in harboring revenge or thoughts of retaliation. It's not what you want from our lives. And then walk forward in peace. So Father, we want to bring the hurts that we've experienced in life and we want to go back to those places and acknowledge those things hurt us. Those words, those actions, that de- things that have been deprived of us, the abandonment, the rejection has hurt us. And we want to pray, Lord, what is done to us by others, you will come and you will heal. We choose, Lord, to forgive those who have done these things. We ask you to forgive them, change them. And then we want to pray, Lord, that you will take the anger away and replace it with peace and your joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbathchurch.org.